Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Well, welcome to Villas Grace. As uh, as you, many of you know, we like to preach expositorily. We like to go through the Bible verse by verse. However, today we're going to do a standalone message. We're taking a break from James, uh, but let's get into God's Word to see what He has for us today. Uh, Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Uh, Lord, we just want to hear your Word this morning. Uh, We already worshiped in song and worshiped in giving, and Lord, now we just gather around to worship in the hearing of your word, and we just want your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So here is a picture depicting, uh, many of you know this story, of Jesus healing the leper. Uh, It's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, so I got to do a standalone message. I'm like, you know what, I'd I'd like to take a crack at, at this one. It's not one that I've ever preached before. I just think there's so much that goes into it and, and uh, just so much awesome God stuff in there, if I could just kind of plainly put it like that. You see, back in biblical times, leprosy was considered a very serious disease. It's, 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 it's a serious disease. But it had many social and religious implications back then. What exactly is leprosy? Well, it's a bacteria growth on the skin. Its symptoms start in the skin and the peripheral nervous system outside the brain, meaning outside the brain and spinal cord. But it spreads to other parts, such as the hands, the feet, the face, the earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, the twisting of limbs, and the curling of the fingers to form that characteristic claw hand. Facial changes, including the thickening of the outer ear and the collapsing of the nose. Tumor-like growths that may form on the skin or in the respiratory tract, causing people to sound um, raspy or their voice changing. It also uh, may cause the optic nerve to deteriorate. It's said that the largest number of deformities are caused by accidents because of the extensive nerve damage to the skin, people picking up stuff that is blazing hot and they don't, just don't realize it because they don't have any feeling left in, the, in their hand. So physically, as people feel, these, this disease turns people into monsters, so to speak. There's zero chance of hiding that. So socially, if you were uh, inflicted with this, your social life was completely over. Your family, your friends, your community would have no choice but to ban you from everything in your life that you held dear. Because of the contagion aspects, the gross deformities, probably the smell. You know, people didn't shower every day, especially back then. Lepers were considered unclean, and they were separated from all other human beings. The way that they were considered clean or unclean is they would be examined by the temple priest, as it's uh, outlined in Leviticus chapters 13 through 15. If you want to go and read that, you could get into more detail there. They would perform these examinations to determine if someone was dangerous to be around the rest of the people around them. However, this also affected them religiously. 
They were considered unclean religiously and could not worship God properly. So you were cut off from all social aspect in aspects, including temple worship. So someone in this position would not only have felt like their whole family and their whole lives and their friends and everything they enjoyed in life was stripped away, they also couldn't properly worship God the way that God intended them to in those times. So I've seen on this picture here up on the screen, we can imagine this man and what he's gone through and the reason why he searched out for Jesus. These laws were non-negotiable, and they left someone in his position completely without hope unless he was somehow cured. The leper here described, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 4 in a, little, in a minute, I want you to just kind of take a look at this picture because he really was breaking the law in two ways. First, he was breaking the law in the fact that he was not allowed to approach people who were clean in this manner. So he was breaking the law there. Secondly, he violated the, the law by being unclean and falling down at the feet of Jesus. So essentially, he was worshiping God, which he was not supposed to. Another thing that could be said about this picture is that Jesus was sort of breaking the law because you weren't supposed to touch someone with leprosy because it would make you unclean. But church, we know Jesus never broke a law. Amen? Must have been because he knew what was about to happen right after that. But this also begs a few questions as human beings that we might have. Miracles are hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes as finite human beings. Think about these things. Why does God heal some people and not others? Why didn't Jesus just go around just healing everybody? He obviously was capable. Did he not care about those that were suffering around him? As Jesus walked around these towns, he just saw these people suffering and just passed on by, didn't heal them. In fact, that causes some who are unbelievers to say, this invalidates the fact that an all-powerful, all-loving God could exist. Because if he existed, things like leprosy would not exist. But we understand as believers, when we're born into this world, we're born into a sin-cursed world. This world is broken. Amen? Life's not fair. It's just not fair. And we understand that things like leprosy and cancer and addiction, they exist. They absolutely exist in this world. But one thing we can be clear on this morning, and I hope to show you guys, is the fact that God does care about us dearly. To prove that, we just have to point to the cross, amen? Amen. But we could see in this, in this picture, and I believe this would have been pretty accurate as, as far as we follow the biblical narrative, I believe you would have seen the compassion that Jesus had on this man, the, the look of, of compassion in his eyes, and the miracle that he was about to perform right then and there. But it's noteworthy to say that 
Jesus, when he performed miracles, as he did many times throughout Scripture, he did it for a specific reason. It wasn't just to always heal physical needs. They were performed for a great purpose that had more to do with eternity. So we can say Jesus did have compassion on all those around him. However, it was an eternal compassion from eternal perspective. And that's where we get the title of today's sermon. Eternal compassion. Here we have, in, uh, we'll be in Matthew 8, uh, verses 1 through 4. Jesus absolutely had compassion on all those around him. But he knew just going around healing everybody's physical needs would leave many open to the, the possibility of hell. I mean, he could have been like Oprah and just walked around saying, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. But he was there for a different purpose. When Jesus performed a miracle, he had his deity in mind. The proof of showing that he was sent of God and that he was God. Also, he was trying to point people to him as the only way to be made right with the Father. Let's get into our verses this morning. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles as I read. Starting in verse 1. When, the, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. If we took these four verses and we boiled them down into one main idea, we would get this this morning. Jesus' compassion is received by faith and always comes from eternal perspective. Jesus' compassion is received by us through our faith, but it always comes from an eternal perspective. We could receive compassion and grace and mercy and the love of God through our faith, much like that, that leper, but we have to understand, Jesus has bigger goals than just our physical needs. He is thinking about eternity. Let's break these verses down to see why this is true this morning. From the top, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So we see right here, Jesus and his disciples are traveling, uh, coming down off the mountain. This guy sees them, and he makes a beeline for them. This, this man who was the leper, as we talked about, the man that was shunned from his family, the man that lost everything in his life. He basically had a death sentence. Saw Jesus, and he made a beeline for him. Could you imagine this guy? Put yourself in his shoes. You can't hug your, your, your father or your mother anymore. You can't embrace your wife or your husband. You can't hug your children or your grandchildren ever again. 
what would even be worse is that they would have to view you from afar, and they would have to watch you slowly deteriorate over time until you could just no longer be around them. It would be too painful for them to be around you. I cannot imagine what that would be like, just the, the heartbreak and the agony that this leper was feeling when he approached Jesus. So obviously, he heard about Jesus. He may have even seen Jesus perform miracles before. And I can't imagine how absolutely desperate he was. But there's one thing that is clear. He knew Jesus was his only hope. So he throws himself down at the feet of Jesus and he begs him. This is important to to note, as I said, because he saw Jesus as Lord. So he immediately, he wants to show respect. He throws himself down at the feet of Jesus to show his respect for who Jesus is. And then he speaks with great faith that he knows Jesus can heal him. He didn't say, hey, maybe if you can, please heal me. Not at all. He said, Lord, if you will, make me clean. He had such faith in Jesus that he declared, you can make me clean. There was zero doubt. Maybe some of this zeal was out of desperation, and maybe he just declared that he knew Jesus could heal him. But to me, that's some amazing faith. To declare, I know without a doubt you can heal me. However, he didn't just declare, Jesus, you are Lord, heal me. He prefaced it by saying, if you will. Jesus, I know you can heal me, but only if it's according to your will. That's quite a lot different. This is why I have such a hard time when some Christians pray and they'll just make a declaring statement and they'll say, I'm saying this in your name, Jesus, this is going to happen. People who with good hearts and good intention decide God's going to do something miraculous here because simply because I think it's a good idea. It sounds right. Why would God not want to do this? So somehow they have this mindset they'll just tap into the power of God if they just tagline it in the name of Jesus. Do as I say. Church, we do not declare what God is going to do, amen? I don't have that power. That's way above my pay grade. We don't declare by ourselves that God will do something even if we tag his name in it. How dare we? Who are we to order God around like he's some kind of magic genie in a lamp? We have to be clear. God will do what he pleases, when he pleases, and how he pleases according to his will. Not ours. So the leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make us clean. Or you can make me clean. I think that's such a great example for how we should pray. When faced with such a hard thing that's, that's going on in our lives, or you know, someone that has cancer, I, I think that's, it's, it's, it's a really good model. Lord, the faith comes in knowing that you can do this thing. And that we are human. And in our finite humanness, 
We don't know if it's part of your will, but if it is, Lord, we know you can do it. So directly after that, in verse 3, next it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This would have been a crowd shocker. It would, have been, it would have blew everybody's mind. Whoa, wait a minute. This leper just fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, Lord, if you can heal me, I know you will. And the first thing Jesus does is reach his hand out and touch him. Everybody knew you do not come into contact with somebody that has leprosy. It was just too dangerous. But Jesus did this for a good reason. And don't miss this. Jesus didn't say, I will heal you, be clean, and then touch him. That would have made more sense according to the customs and the time and the laws. I think there's a couple of good reasons why Jesus did that to teach us a few things. First, I think he was trying to show that man that he truly was God in the flesh, and he ain't scared of nothing. He's not. He's there to do his Father's will, and nothing could possibly stop that. Not some silly skin disease, not Satan himself. Second, I love how the fact that it was Jesus' first reaction was to show compassion. That was his first reaction. He saw the the desperation in this man's eyes. He saw the, the pain that this man was going through. And he knew it probably had been a very long time since this man felt the touch of another human being. Now, even if you're not really like a touchy-feely kind of person, because I know some of you out there, you don't really like when people are hugging on you or touching you a lot. And sometimes you almost wish you had leprosy so people would stay away from you. I get it. But it's just different when you can't be touched. I can remember when COVID first started, and it was in the beginning when it was in in its first stages, and it was blowing up, and things were getting crazy, and we were stuck believing the experts. Um, But just to be safe, um, I work in a, many know I work in a paint store down in Naples. We stayed open the whole time. We started a curbside uh, service. We'd run uh, the contractors, their paint out, so people could continue working. But I would come into contact with a lot of people. So just as an extra safety precaution, we, stayed, we kept our distance from our grandchildren. I have, now have three grandsons that live uh, less than two miles away from me. And we're very close as a family. And, you know, we, we love to hang out a lot. And if you've ever seen me greet my grandsons, as many of you do, usually ends up with, you know, one of them running at me trying to knock me over. And let me just take a second, okay? I'm not grandpa, I'm not grandfather, I'm gramps. Just so you know, my own mom can't even get it right, so don't feel bad. But uh, when you say to my grandchildren, hey, where's grandpa? They're like, I don't know, gramps is over there, but I don't know who this grandpa is. But if you ever see me greet them, they get a big bear hug and a kiss right on top of their head. I, I, I love that. I love the, you know, I had granddaughters first, and, and I love them dearly. It's just different when you have boys, and you could get them in a headlock, and there's lots of wrestling. It's just really close, and it's really awesome. But back then when I would visit with William, because he was, he was, he's the oldest of the three. Uh, Oliver was, was maybe a year and a half, and uh, 
Asher didn't exist yet. But I mostly was there to see uh, William because he was old enough to understand. Hey, here comes Gramps. And he would try to start running at me, and I'd be like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't. You can't come near me because Gramps has been at work all day. And he didn't understand. He would just look at me like absolutely confused. Like, what are you talking about? I can't hug my Gramps. That's ridiculous. He didn't understand, and it became extremely hard to visit. And I, I think about this leper who, who that's how he had to live his, basically his whole life at that, point, at that point. I knew that what I was experiencing was just temporary, that, that things would eventually get back uh, to normal, and that I would be able to, to hold my grandson and wrestle with him, get him in a headlock, make sure he knows that Gramps is tougher than him. And, you know, all those kind of things. So, but I can remember the day where we sat down as a family, you know, all of us, and we decided, this is junk, we're not doing this anymore. And I can remember the first day I was allowed to hug my grandson. And it was glorious. And I think of this leper. He just threw himself down at the feet of Jesus and he put all, everything on the line in faith. And what is the first thing Jesus did? Did he heal him? Touched him. Imagine you're that leper and Jesus touches you on the shoulder, on the face, wherever, wherever it was. What a compassionate, loving God we serve. Amen? And then he goes on to say the very thing this man was literally dying to hear. I will be clean. And just like that, boom, he's healed. So his first reaction was compassion. He saw this man's desperation. The first thing he did was, was, was touch him. And then, boom, he knew that he could heal him according to this man's faith. Because, because of his faith, he knew he could heal him right on the spot. And this brings us to our first point this morning. It's by our faith in Jesus that we can experience his great compassion. It's by, our, it's by and through our faith in who Jesus is that we get to experience this great compassion of our loving Savior. While it's clear by our faith that we cannot command God to do our bidding, we know it's by our faith that God invites us to in, Join in to what he's already about to do. And that we get to experience his miracles and his love and his compassion that he has for us sinners. It reminds us of our main idea this morning. Jesus' compassion is received by faith and always comes from eternal perspective. You see, this leper knew that Jesus could heal him. He made that abundantly clear, but he did allow for the fact that it may not be according to God's will at that moment. That's some faith, y'all. Just knowing that God can heal you, but trusting in him that whatever happens is going to be according to his will. As you look at our last verse, verse four, it says, and Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus 
gives him instructions on what to do next. Jesus instantly heals this man, but then he says something. He asks him to say nothing to anyone. Don't say anything. And then he gives him instruction on how to go gain his life back. That's what that was all about. Listen, I, this is what you need to do next because I want you to be able to gain your life back as a clean person. Go through the process and you will be de- declared clean and you will get your life back. There's two really important things I want to, there's a million important things I could point out in these verses, but there's two I want to focus on. The first one is kind of the obvious question, why did Jesus tell him not to go say anything to anybody? Well, I think, and I, I very, very rarely say that because it's about what God's word is, but it seems reasonable that maybe Jesus knew that if the priest knew that he had something to do with it, maybe they wouldn't allow this man to get his life back. I mean, they did accuse Jesus of working miracles through the power of Satan, right? That, that could be one reason. Maybe it was because Jesus would now have more pressure on him as the crowds pressed in around him where he was trying to do ministry because they were there seeking miracles. So it was harder and harder for Jesus to to do ministry in certain places. But what's really cool here, I think, is that Jesus could have just healed him and left him there. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Wouldn't that have been enough? Where you say, Jesus, could you please heal me? He's like, right on, he heals you. That would have been enough for me. That I get my health back, I get my family back. But instead he reminded him, listen, you're healed, you're clean. Now I'm going to remind you how to go get your life back. Again, the compassion of Jesus. He says, go to the priest, show yourself, make the proper sacrifice as Moses commanded, and be declared clean. So Jesus didn't just heal him physically, but emotionally and spiritually. He didn't just fix his skin or fix his body. He proved that this man's faith was genuine and where his faith was placed was was totally in, in Christ. But then he filled him with hope. He filled him with hope. You can get your life back. That's, that's going to be a reward. Wow, what an awesome God we serve. And this brings us to our second point. The miracles of Jesus are more about our spiritual needs than our physical. Everywhere through Scripture you see this, the miracles that Jesus are performing, it's, it's way more about our spiritual needs than our physical needs. I, I, I ran into this... Uh, saying, I I couldn't find who to attribute it to, it doesn't matter, someone smarter than me said it. It said, Jesus is way more concerned about where you spend your eternal life rather than the quality of your natural life. Jesus is way more concerned about where you spend your eternal life than he is about the quality and the comfort of your natural life. Jesus could have just went around, like I said before, just healing everybody. He had unlimited power. He had the ability to do it. But there is a reason why, and it's because when he performed a miracle of any sort, it 
wasn't just for the immediate need. It was to prove who he was and to change the lives of those who experienced those miracles so that they would be able to place their faith in Jesus for salvation. As Joe comes up and we begin to close, I'd really like us to focus on the compassion of our Lord Jesus. The, the compassion and the love that he shares for us. He loves us dearly. But we also have to remember it's not all about us and what we think is right in the moment and what we want to happen. He invites us by our faith to join into what he's already doing. And he, what he's doing is for eternal purpose, not just for the comfort of, of our lives here on this planet. So we remember our first point this morning. It's by our faith in Jesus that we can experience his great compassion. Church, think of it this way. Faith equals experiencing God. Your faith equals experiencing God. Let me ask you a question. Are you currently experiencing the power of God in your life? I mean, it doesn't have to be any great miracle where it's, it's insane and you don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's just some place where you can honestly say, yep, that's where God's working. Like, check that out. God's doing this. It can't possibly be me in my own power because I don't even really want to do this. But I could see God is working there. Maybe he's working on freeing you from something sinful in your life that's hurting you and you don't even realize or maybe he's slowly changing your heart about something that needs to be made right so that he could better commune with you. If you're not experiencing those things, then let me ask you this. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking him? Because you can't see God unless you're seeking God, much like that leper. He was seeking Jesus that day. And the second he saw him, he made a beeline to him and threw himself down at the feet of Jesus. Are you believing in faith? Not in the faith that God is going to do whatever you ask, but that God is completely capable of doing what you need. And we remember our second point. The miracles of Jesus are more about our spiritual needs than our physical it's very important that we understand that this morning. Because really this is more about our eternal lives than our natural lives. I was talking to one of my friends uh, last week. And this is somebody that they, they kind of believe there's a creator God, but they're, they're just not really sure if the Bible is true and, and what it says about eternity. And I was trying to just nudge them gently. And I, and I love their honesty uh, with me, because they know that I'm a pastor, and they know who I am, and they know I probably didn't love that answer, but I tried to gently nudge them into seeing the importance of eternity compared to this life, and I, I remember an illustration when I was uh, teaching youth uh, back in the day, just to get them to understand the importance of eternity. So if you think about it, this life, even if you live a hundred years, is like a grain of sand, and eternity is like the rest of the beaches and dirt and sand on the rest of the planet. This life, one tiny grain of sand compared to all of the grains of sand on the entire planet, which one is more important? 
And that is even a, not even a great illustration because eternity's forever. But it does make the point, and this is why we could say Jesus is way more concerned about our eternities than he is the comfort and the quality of our everyday lives. And it's not that he doesn't care about us. He just knows the end goal. I, rem- I can think of the Apostle Paul when he was praying to God, you know, whatever the infirmity was, infirmity was or the thorn in the flesh, and Paul's asking God, I mean, who has more faith than Paul? Not me, the Apostle Paul. And God said, nah, you can have that. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. Because it's a lot more important for you to rely on me than it is to heal whatever's going on with you. In that moment, it's more important for you to rely on me. And that's why we could say our main idea is true this morning. Jesus' compassion is received by faith and always comes from eternal perspective. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we know you can do anything you want. But that doesn't always translate into if you will do what we ask. Lord, help us to remember that you are a loving and compassionate God and you love your children dearly. And as we place our trust and our faith in who you are, we can get through whatever this life has to throw at us and have hope for eternal bliss that awaits those who place their faith in you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.